Word. I and, uh, encourage you uh, to have your Bibles um, with us, uh, with you this evening as we look at uh, not only Matthew 12, but a couple of other important passages that I want to, uh, I want to, to take a, a peek at, and I think you will be edified to see the text before you uh, as we take a look at God's Word this evening. Uh, we are in our fourth message on regeneration. Next Sunday, I, I plan for it to be our final one uh, as we look at, uh, at uh, not the regeneration of our own bodies, but also seeing the regeneration of our world as the new heavens and new earth and how we will be fitted for that. So, but, but today, regeneration and judgment. What does regeneration have to do with our facing judgment? And we will see that that's a very important matter uh, that Jesus unfolds for us here in Matthew chapter 12, beginning at verse 33. This follows the context of the warning about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And the words that are spoken in blasphemy are those words that will condemn the speakers. Whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or in the age to come. Now let's pick up the text. Verse 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person, out of the good treasure, brings forth good. And the evil person, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. This is God's holy and precious word. Well, as we, as we uh, begin uh, this passage, I want you to think about uh, um, what describes you and your heart more faithfully, more accurately. Which of these two concepts describes your, your heart more accurately? Uh, that you are deceitful and desperately sick and your heart is unknowable? Or that you are a good person and you have a good heart? I think how you answer that question, more importantly, how you think of yourself on a day-to-day basis will have much to do with how you live whether your expectations whether it will be high or low, whether your confidence level to be able to live before the Lord will be high or low. Do you think of yourself as one who would, could be described by the words of Jeremiah 17.9 as, uh, as uh, one uh, who, whose heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick, or one who is good and therefore produces good fruit. Uh, this, uh, this te- as we look at, at, uh, at Matthew 12, turn with me there if you're not there already, Matthew 12, 
um, I want to look at three things here. That regeneration uh, makes you a good person. Uh, that your, your good heart will overflow with good words and that your words will validate you for heaven. Then re- regeneration makes, makes you a good person. Specifically, we should say that God's good seed makes you good. Remember the definition that we've used and, and, and during the course of these weeks, that regeneration is the imparting of new life by God. It is, it is the first abiding of the seed of God in you. It's the gift of new life by the Holy Spirit, but also the abiding of the seed of God in your life. So renewal has started. Uh, the, the seed that the Holy Spirit planted is growing. It is bearing fruit in your life and mine. It brings us into fellowship. This relationship of, of being ha- having the seed of God brings us, it's us into fellowship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit uh, so that we come more and more to desire Him and to desire good and beauty. Good trees, therefore, bear good fruit. Now, we distinguish between justification and regeneration. Justification declares you to be righteous. In God's sight, considered as such, reckoned to be right. It declares you righteous. Regeneration plants in you God's goodness. Plants in you God's goodness as that abiding seed is in you, and it creates a moral and spiritual change that is ignited by that regeneration. Regeneration is that one-time event in which we are passive. A mother gives birth and a child is born. Well, who does all the work? Of course, it is the mother. The child is passive in that operation. But the Holy Spirit, as Titus reminds us, that Holy Spirit is the one who is doing the washing of regeneration and renewal, creating cleansing in us. You are sanctified Paul says, but you are also being sanctified. So God's good seed makes you good. John makes this very clear, as clear as anyone in the scripture, that you are good for the reason that you were born of God. Flip over with me uh, to uh, 1 John. We're going to look uh, uh, just at one brief verse in in chapters 2 and then 3 and then 4. You are good because you were born of God. You grow in the practice of righteousness because you were born of Him. uh, 2.29 Everyone who practices righteousness has been born of Him. You grow in the practice of righteousness. You grow in holiness. Listen to this. You grow in holiness because God's seed... And the word in the original there is sperma. God's seed abides in you. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 9. No one born of God makes a a practice of sinning because God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. And of course, because you've been born of God, you know God. 
you grow in love. Chapter 4, verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, For whoever and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Because of, we're born again of God and by God, we have a, a life and a practice of holiness. Uh, probably 40 or 50 years ago, I heard my father preach on 1 John, and the title and theme of the message had to do with your life's bent. The direction that you're going. Not that we are sinless, of course, but we are, it is the direction that we are facing and we are moving more and more in the direction of God's holiness so that righteousness is our practice. Sin dwells in us still, but it is not who you are. And though sin uh, dwells in you, You don't let it reign in you. Sin dwells in you, but you do not dwell in sin. And so an application for this point that regeneration makes you a good person is that you not think of yourself as being described by Jeremiah 17.9. Don't think that that passage describes you. I've heard people Speak this way. I'm only declared righteous. I'm not really righteous, so I don't really expect much of myself or others. And it sounds humble in a way, but it's only half the gospel. I, I want you to flip back to Jeremiah uh, 17 with me. I, 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 want you to, I want you to see uh, the direction where this passage is going. The, the wicked um, are those who have turned away from God, and they are described as shrubs uh, in a salt desert. Uh, they are, we, as we see in verses in verses five and and six, they are 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 shrubs. They're in an uninhabited salt land, and the point is that they're not. They don't see any good. There's nothing good that is coming out of them. And, and when you hear the word desperately wicked down in verse nine. This is the only time in Jeremiah that that word is translated that way. way. It is otherwise translated something like this, incurable or past all hope. And so that must describe the wicked man who is incurable, past all hope of any fruit. And it is clearly distinguished between the righteous man who trusts in God, who is planted by streams of water, who produces green leaves, who doesn't stop bearing fruit. Clearly different. Now, the confusing part, and I think this does, get, does trip us up sometimes, that regeneration does, it does change us and we can become hypersensitive to even indwelling and especially indwelling sin. And it is possible for us to feel more sinful after we're converted than we were before. Now, we can be deceived. We can be self-deceiving. But that doesn't define us. That is not who we are. And look with me at verse 10. This is why this passage, if I can put it in these terms, is not designed for us to be a downer, but is a very exciting, it's a very buoyant and uplifting text. Look at verse 10. I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give each man according to his ways. Matthew 12. According to the fruit of his deeds. 
God identifies the blessed man as the one who has good deeds and a heart that has been made good. Well, your good heart then, secondly, overflows, going back to Matthew 12, your good heart then um, overflows with good words. Uh, Notice that this is not a command. It's not a statement of fact. It is a description. Fruit, Jesus says, happens. It just does. What is in your heart and what of what your heart is full of will spill out uh, in your words. 34, second part of verse 34, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Uh, our, our tongues are like the, the, the oil light on our dashboards. We don't have to open up the hood and look in and see and, and check the level of oil. We can, we can tell by that indicator light on the dashboard. It tells us what's going on underneath the hood. The good person brings forth good out of his good treasure. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Jesus describes the the heart as a treasure chest here, and you draw out of it either, either good things or bad things. Now, what do you think of? What do you treasure? What is important? What is most valuable and precious to you? What do you think about? Let me, let me put it to you this way. Um, in what sauce uh, do you allow your thoughts to marinate in your mind? In what sauce do your thoughts marinate? Those of us who have been born of God uh, have thoughts that are seasoned with grace and marinated with the beauty of God. That affects That affects what we say. On the opposite side, those who are blaspheming the Holy Spirit, they have bile and hatred and and pride in their hearts. Now, I don't know if you're entirely comfortable with where we've been going today. It seems a little off, doesn't it? We must remember, of course, um, that uh, it's not that we don't sin. And that should be obvious enough. But we hate it when we do it. We don't sin. We we do sin, but we we hate that we do it. In fact, our catechism says that we sin daily in thought, word, and deed. James, and you may turn with me to that passage now. Over uh, that James uh, James um, uh, says in in chapter three, James chapter three. It says, he says that you, you, you cannot master your tongue. If you succeed in mastering your tongue, that means that you have already arrived at a point of perfection. It's the last barrier to fall, we might put it that way. You can't completely tame it, he says. Our tongues, even as redeemed people, can still be restless evil, full of deadly poison. And we see that when a small provocation occurs, something that just wears us down living in this, in this COVID time that we are, can create a, 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 an immediate reaction of, of, of that, that, is, that is just, uh, just wicked that comes out of our tongues. But I want you to notice how James argues 
in the face of the, of the presence, the abiding presence of evil in our tongues and in our hearts that still exists to some extent, this is how he, he argues. I'm going to read verses 10 through 12. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. He's acknowledging this anomaly, this disparity that just isn't right. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. And listen to his argument. Does a spring pour forth both uh, from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond produce fresh water. It's not who we are. We don't like it. It's not who we are. How can a good person, we might say, and a Holy Spirit person pour out bile-soaked words? It's a distressing thing. No true Christian is comfortable being in that tension. Well, what do we do about it? The first thing, I, I think, is to fill our treasure chest with beauty. To fill our hearts with beauty. I, I think of the words in, uh, in Philippians chapter 4. L- let's just sit on this for a moment. Whatever is true. This is what you think about. This is what you think about. This is, this is what you stock your treasure chest with. Whoever is, whatever is true... Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Putting in your treasure chest the beauty of God so that what spills out are words of truth that are seasoned with grace. I think of the, uh, of the prayer request that was sent to us just a few moments ago. I, I think that's a very important thing. We, we, we want to be people who are in a position to speak graciously towards those who disagree with our assessment of the severity, the, the, the severity of the uh, of, of the virus, its lethal nature, um, how it spreads, um, how much in danger we truly are. It is so easy to politicize our assessment of the virus and our response to it so that we can actually attack other people with, shall we say, um, words that come from a heart that has been marinating uh, in a corrupt way. When we open up, we want to be erenic. We want to be peaceful. So, we want to speak words of beauty and confess all of those bile-soaked words. That would be the first thing. You, a second thing, you fill your treasure heart with that good, your, with that good treasure and then become more, you will become more aware of the words that come out that are corruptible, corrupting. 
So we speak words of beauty. And perhaps the first words that we want to think about are those words of confession of our bile-soaked words. And justification by faith really helps us here. It helps us to, to make confession possible, to even acknowledge what is true. It makes us humble enough to examine ourselves and courageous enough to be able to speak words of truth and humility and confession to those whom we've sinned against. I had an email interchange with a a, a good friend who is uh, one of the general general secretaries for for home missions in the OPC, and I won't tell you which. Um, Either one of them could have said this, okay? But this is is the interchange. uh, this this, this, This friend said, every year I feel more convicted about my pride and I plead all the more for humility. I need more of it and more of it. He's saying he needs more and more humility. More and more of it each year. This is the response that I gave him. Seeing your greater need for humility is evidence that the Spirit is answering your prayers for it. I think that's absolutely on point here for this passage as well. Because COVID can wear us down and we can become short with those in our home. And I want you to look at it this way, that these are opportunities for humility. They are opportunities for repentance. For as we take those steps of repentance, we are becoming more humble before God, more humble before those that we live with, and therefore in a position to be more gentle with them. And repentance brings those sweetest words. If our homes could be filled with this language, people, I'm sorry, and I'm sorry that I have hurt you, and I don't want to do that. Would you please forgive me? May our fathers and husbands and parents and children be be full of these words. That, 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 are, that come out of a heart that has been saturated with the beauty of God creating humility. Well, then finally, our words will validate us for heaven. Your words will validate you for heaven. Okay, look at, this, is what, this is what Jesus says. Let's just look at it again. Um, by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. Well, what justifies us? What does? We know that it is the last, it is a legal verdict that you are declared not guilty. And as some of us saw in our, our, our Sunday school class this past Wednesday, what Ferguson referred to as an eschatological reality. It is a declaration that, that will come down on that last day, but it has meaning and bearing. It is true for us today. It is never going to be lifted. It's never going to change. You are as justified now as you will be declared on that day. And you already have as much right to heaven as Jesus does. All right, that's, so it's his blood and his death that justify us. What doesn't justify us? I think our, our confession puts it delightfully. You, we cannot, by our best works, merit pardon of sin or eternal life. Um, the good that we have in our hearts is worked in us by the Holy Spirit. Still, we are imperfect. And yet, Jesus here says that you are justified by your work, words. What does that mean? 
this sentence, I think, will nail it. Let's just lump it into this one point. Your faith proves to be the real deal and genuine by your words. Your faith is proved to be real and genuine by your words. Your words will verify, do now and will then verify that the Spirit lives in you. If you are a child of God, you will speak words of love. If you are a child of God, your language, your words will, will tell all that you belong in heaven. They show you that you belong there. The righteousness of Jesus, of course, will cover, does cover our remaining imperfections, and it's still all of grace, but nonetheless, your words will verify that you are in the right place on that last day. When, when, uh, when leaving Puerto Rico, um, it's, it, always, it always strikes me. Uh, the, there's one major airport, and everybody's got a funnel into, this, into, into the, main, the main entrance there. And everybody is shunted off down a hallway that, well, it's, a, it's, a, it's an elongated room. And it's got a scanner in it. Uh, that, and you put every bit of your luggage, your carry-on, your, your suitcase, everything goes on a, on a belt. And one at a time, each, pa- each bag that's going to go on one of those planes runs through that, runs through that scanning machine. Well, what are, what are they looking for? What is every bag being scanned for? Fruit. You can't take it with you. You can't get on an airplane. You can't leave Puerto Rico with it. You can't get out unless you have fruit. And you can't get in to heaven if you don't. You can't get out if you have any fruit, you can't get in heaven if you don't. Certainly, certainly, we're not talking about perfection, but about direction. It's about your direction, not perfection. Voyage of the Dawn Treader, one of C.S. Lewis's uh, Chronicles of Narnia, um, it, it speaks about the change that took place in the previously obnoxious Eustace. I've said this before, It is worth repeating. It is a lovely text. It would be nice and fairly nearly true to say, from that time forth, Eustace was a different boy. That would be nice and would be fairly nearly true. Lewis goes on, but he began to be a different boy. He, there were relapses, but the cure had begun. The Spirit is working real change and words that will verify that you belong in heaven. I want to make one more distinction between justification and sanctification to help us, help us cement this in our minds, that, that uh, real observable change starts on the inside and produces real fruit. Now, in justification... Justification works outside in, and we lose it if you make it inside out. What do we mean by that? Righteousness comes from outside of us. It is that alien righteousness. It is imputed. It is not of ourselves, and any drop of our own performance dilutes that and corrupts it. Justification works from the outside in, 
and we lose it if we make it inside out. Sanctification, or this life of renewal that begins with regeneration. Sanctification works inside out, and we lose it if we make it outside in. You don't just set new goals. You don't just try to change on the outside. You don't just regret prior behavior and try to resolve and resolve to try harder. You don't become beautiful by obeying. You obey as you see and taste and delight in the beauty of God. Think on these things, Paul said. Reflect on the beauty of the Incarnation. Reflect on the beauty of our Savior. And as you do so, you will more and more delight that seed of, the, of, of God planted in us as you feed that by looking upon the Savior in His beauty. You will more and more delight to obey Him. Do your words then show that you're fitted for heaven. Maybe the best you can do right now is to simply hate the rotten fruit enough to label it and confess it. I want, I want to read in conclusion then Ephesians 4.29 and, and think about this as a goal, as a direction for you as you are on that journey to heaven. Let no corrupting talk, and that really can be translated rotten fruit, let no rotten fruit, go back to Jeremiah 17, that's not us anymore. Uh, go back to James 3, you can't, you have to know how do you have good fruit and bad fruit on the same tree? It doesn't make sense, it's corrupting. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Let's make that our prayer. Let's pray. God and Father, Lord Jesus Christ, and our Holy Spirit indwelling us, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for its beauty. We thank you that it is penetrating, that it both, cut, it both cuts us and heals us. And Lord, we pray that in our homes... And as we gather again here in, in our church, but right now in our homes, may our words um, be not rotten and not corrupting, but good for building others up. With the wisdom from the Spirit as fits the occasion that we may be involved in giving grace to those around us. That they would not hear our cursing, that they would not hear our damning, but they would hear our blessing and our grace. Holy Spirit, work deeply in us. We realize that we, as, as, continue, as flawed humans being, have a tendency towards nasty speech. It's, it's in us, but it's not us. Please rescue us and point us to the beauty of heaven and let us not be deterred on the one side or the other as we look to our Savior in whose name we pray. Amen.